I, I can't help to think that God has something he wants you to hear today because every song, the words that came out of Pastor J.W.'s mouth about freedom, this morning I wanted to, to touch on and, and, and talk to you about living a life in freedom. See, that we find ourselves lots of times being saved but still having a little bit of baggage. And I think we've all found ourselves in situations like that, that we know that we're saved, that we know that, that God has set us free from sin, but we still have things and strongholds that, that hold us back and that, that, that kind of bind us down. And I'm just gonna go ahead straight into the word this morning. Galatians 5 and 1 says this. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. This is saying that Jesus, as Pastor J.W. has mentioned a while ago, went to the cross not only for our sins, but to set us free. And not only to set us free, but to the fact that we could live in freedom. That, that he wants us to be able to take and, and live a life of freedom, not to go back to the things that, that put us in bondage, not to go back to the things that enslaved us, but to live a life of freedom. He's saying, I went to the cross so you could be free, now I want you to walk in freedom. And then the second part of the scripture says that it is letting everything in the world, don't let anything in the world jeopardize your freedom. So these people that we're talking about, myself included, that find ourselves saved, we're Christians, but we're not walking in the fullness of our freedom. We have some lifestyle, some, maybe some addiction, some, uh, some anxiety, some depression, some form of something that we are allowing to control our lives and have a stronghold in our lives, something that gets the best of you and takes the best from you. God didn't create you so, so anxiety, so fear, so depression, so some kind of an addiction, some form of, 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 of stronghold could get the best of you. This is why that we need and know the power of freedom. Not only do we need freedom, but we need to know the power that comes behind walking in the fullness of the God's freedom. There are so many uh, people that, that um, find themselves with bondage and strongholds. Like I said, myself included. So when we talk about strongholds, I think sometimes, you know, I take advantage of me growing up in church and I know what certain words mean, and I know, and I know that uh, we say certain things, we have what we call like church language, that we say these words and just expect that everybody knows what we're talking about. And this is one of the most simple definitions you're gonna get. I am not some Bible scholar, I do not have a degree in, in any kind of thing like that, but a stronghold is simply this, something that has a hold of you that is strong. It's just as simple as it can get. Romans 7 and 15 says this. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. How powerful is that scripture? How many times have we found ourselves not understanding why we know what is right. We know what God has called us to do. We know the way and the things that's gonna set us free. His word tells us and gives us the, the answers on how to become free. His word gives us the examples on how to live our lives. We find ourselves still bound and still enslaved and still have strongholds in our life. We still find ourselves living the life that we hate. 
So what are strongholds? An issue in your identity. Sometimes strongholds, how many people know that strongholds can, can, can penetrate your identity? It can, it can cause you to be who you are. How many of you all know somebody that, that one of the first things that you would describe them as is a bitter person? How many of you know somebody that you could find yourself identifying them as a, a person of, of, that don't have joy, an angry person? They've allowed their situations and their strongholds to control their lives so much that they have now identify as that stronghold. We find ourselves identifying that when it gets to the point that we realize I'm just a bitter person because bitter, bitterness is inside of me. Then we start feeling hopeless. Feeling hopeless that we'll never be able to change. It's who I am. We accept that that's my identity. Bitterness is who I am. Anger is who I am. And we begin to have feelings of hopeless. And then we become overly defensive. And as far as in, in ministry goes, we see this quite often. I don't have a problem, you have a problem. I'm not bitter. I'm not, I, I, my life is fine the way it is. I, I, I am, I'm living the fullness life that I can because they've accepted that as their life. So now that they accept that as part of their identity, they already have the feelings of hopelessness. They're not gonna let anybody tell them any different. They're not gonna allow them to tell anybody or anybody to tell them that they're wrong. And then we end up living a limited life. Not being able to walk in that freedom and that calling that God has placed in us. Now, I know those that's been around here very long, when they see that I'm preaching, they're always waiting for some form of story. They're always waiting to see what family member, what uh, coworker, who I'm gonna call out and make a story out of. And this morning, the lucky person's my brother, and he's actually here this morning, so this is perfect. So this morning, I wanna talk to you a minute. We, growing up, we, uh, we lived a great life. We were just four of us. Me and him were extremely close, but our personalities was completely different. My brother growing up, and he will tell you this, this is not no secret, that he lived a life of fear. He, he was afraid of everything, everything. One of my favorite things to do, which is awful, God forgive me for this, I would say, I'd stand there, I'd go, Josh, Josh, i just looking like behind him. He'd be like, what, what is it? What is it? Like he would start crying because he did not want to turn around to see what was behind him. There was nothing there. But I would do things like that because I know the fear that he had in his life. And I'm an awful person. <laughs> Some things never change, right? He would, there was times that, and you, you know, that we, he was terrified of thunderstorms. And he lay, would lay in bed crying when our grandmother would watch us sometimes, and she was very uh, tough love, kind of like, go back to bed, you're fine, it's just thunder. You know, she wasn't the loving, nurturing type. So with our parents being gone, we shared a room pretty much our entire life. I remember holding his ears so he couldn't hear the thunder while he would sleep. And you say, oh, that's so sweet. He was 17. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. He was not. But there came a time in Josh's life that he realized 
that these stains cannot harm him. That there was no reason to be scared of everything. That there was no reason he came to by people telling him and pointing his life saying, Josh, you gotta get over that. Josh, that little chihuahua is not gonna kill you. Josh, that, that thunder cannot harm you. It's just a noise. He started of had to listen and he, as he matured and as he got older, he learned that there was things that he could do to get over this fear, to get over this thing that, that bound him, these strongholds that he had in his life. So first thing we need to know when we're trying to look and overcome fear and we need to under, or overcome any stronghold that we have is we must recognize and know that we are a threat to the enemy. You are a threat no matter what situation your current circumstance is, you're a threat to the enemy. Exodus chapter 1, 9, and 10 says this. And this is Pharaoh talking. He said, this, he said to the, his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if, we, if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. You can see that Pharaoh wasn't necessarily scared of who the Israelite people were. He was scared of their potential. The stronghold in the enemy was afraid of the potential that he saw that could happen. See, the enemy knows the damage that a man or a father, or a husband that's living in the fullness of Christ can do. He knows the transformation in their homes that could take place when a, when a father or a husband takes lead of their house and, and begins to walk in the freedom and some of the things that he's bound them with no longer exist. He knows the, the damage that a woman that knows who she is in Christ can do. See, we see ourselves in our current situation, but the enemy sees our potential. And if we could find ourselves to realize that the enemy sees that potential and that we are a threat to him, it is so much easier to overcome those strongholds because we know that we have that potential. The very thing that the enemy is scared of lives inside of us and that we're able to overcome <clears throat> that stronghold. We need to see that we're a threat to the enemy. Something else we need to do, we need to identify and discover our strongholds. Exodus 1, 11 and 14 says this. So the Egyptians, we're still on the story here, made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build their cities, Apithom and Ramses, as supply, center, as supply centers for the king. But the more Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands." So he was scared, he was nervous of what would happen, so what did he do? He placed strongholds over them. Tax masters, people that would, uh, slave drivers that would make their lives miserable, that would make them be even more in bondage than before, to make them live a life of pure 
bondage. And what's afflicting you might not afflict me. What stronghold you might have in your life not, might not be the same as mine. I know that my family has dealt with uh, unforgiveness and bitterness, and I have to, to, to watch that because my family has a history of that, of negativity, of depression, these things that the enemy knows that my family is prone to and he can come after me with. The example that I thought of is when, when you go to the doctor, you go up, you check in, they hand you a piece of paper, and what do they do? Have you ever had cancer? Have you ever had heart disease in your family? Have you ever had diabetes in your family? And they list all these things. Wanting to know your, what, family history, right? Your medical history. And the reason why they do that is because they wanna see if there's something that you might be prone to to look out for. They wanna make sure that they watch you to make sure that you don't show any of the signs of these things. And, and in my mind, if there is a physical medical history, don't you think there's a spiritual one? The enemy knows the things that bothered your father and your grandfather. We have to be aware of these things, and, and the enemy knows that what the generations before you dealt with and knows that if he can get you to the right place and he can tell you the right lie and that he can use the right tactic, that he can get you like he had your family. He can get you like he had the ones before you, your grandparents, your parents. The enemy, so we must be mindful of generational strongholds. Growing up in church, one of those churchy words we would say, generation curses. You have to be mindful, not fearful, but mindful of those curses or those strongholds. Why? Because we need to know the enemy comes in to use those things against us. My parents used to, as kids, I remember, I'm the second of the four, and I remember when Josh and Emily was younger, I remember my mother when she would put us all down for a nap. I never liked a nap, so I'd go and pretend like I was asleep for a while, then I would get up. And I remember my mom playing music in the living room and sitting in the living room and holding one of the younger kids. And I remember her praying over them. I remember her pleading the blood because she knew the situations of her family. She knew the situations of my father's family, the, the, the things that attacked us, the things that she had saw growing up, the things that she had dealt with herself, the things that my father had dealt with. And she was there pleading the blood over our lives, saying that, you know, the, the, the curse stops here. I'm set free, so now that I'm set free, my children are set free. We see this example also in Exodus here. Once the Israelites was set free, their children, their grandchildren, was no longer making bricks for Pharaoh either. They also was set free. We see this and we, we have to understand that God is wanting us to be free. I have a couple of things here, three things here that I think, I know we have a baptism, so 
We have three things that we can become free. Number one is repentance. We hear repentance talked about a lot when you become saved. We don't really maybe necessarily understand. We know that means you come to the altar and we ask God to forgive us. But repentance is such a powerful and spiritual experience. It, it don't only forgive you for the things that you've done, but it separates you from those strongholds. The example that I have, and I didn't put the scripture in, but I just stayed through the book of Exodus here with the story. And I started talking about the, the children of Israel and the Passover. See, the children of Israel was enslaved, as we've mentioned. God said to them, I'm gonna set you free, but you need to make a sacrifice and put the blood above your door. This blood representing the, the blood of Jesus. He wanted us to see that representation, that it was a representation of the blood and was saying, I want you to recognize that and apply it to your life. And then when you put that blood, that repentance above your door, you're gonna see me do something powerful. And what he did was he came in and he put, executed judgment, not on them, but on the things that was holding them. He placed judgment on those strongholds that was, that was binding these people down. He put judgment upon the very thing that was holding them back and enslaved them and set them free. So when we come to the cross, as we mentioned a while ago, and we, we repent for our sins, and Jesus does the same exact thing for us. He doesn't execute judgment on us, but he judges our sins. But he does it by separating those sins away from us and placing judgment on them. That's why it's such a scary thought if you die without Christ, if you die without knowing him and, and finding that repentance because there will be judgment on those sins and those sins will be within you. Those sins have not been separated because you did not have repentance. But when you have repentance, that sin is removed from you and had judgment is executed upon those sins. When you get saved, you say, God, forgive me for everything I played a part of. Forgive me for everything I have done Forgive me for entertaining sin. I repent truly from the depths of my heart. In that same way you got saved and the same words that you use to get saved and, and to have repentance is a way that you become free. It's one of the steps. But one thing we gotta remember is there's a difference in repentance and remorse. Remorse is a false substitute for repentance. Remorse is, you see this a lot when you're talking to somebody and they come to you because they know you go to church and they come to you crying and they come to you all upset, I've messed up again, I'm tired of my life and I, I just want my life back, I want these things, I'm so sorry for the things I did, I, the things I said. I came in and I kicked the dog and smacked the kids and she took them all away. All the great country songs that you hear, they hear these things and you, people see this and they're sorry because of the things that had happened. But that is not repentance. That's remorse. That doesn't own it. That doesn't win it. That just, it just fills it. There's such a difference. Real repentance says, I have sinned against you. This is wrong. My bitterness is wrong. My attitude is wrong. My jealousy is wrong. My heart is wrong. Instead of being sorry, we take this list 
uh, things that we, that we mentioned. My bitterness is wrong, my attitude is wrong. We take that big long list and we nail it to the cross. We ask God not just to forgive us but to remove that stuff from our lives. We ask God to separate us from our sins. When we see people that had hurt us, we don't have feelings of bitterness. We don't have feelings of, 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 of any kind of negativity towards them because we have been set free from that very thing. That's how you know that repentance is, is active in your life. When you can see those very people that hurt you, when you can look them in the eye and have a God-given mercy and grace upon their life, that's when you know that you've been set free. That's repentance. Second thing we need to do, we need to build a barrier. How many of you, I don't know if you've been in, in ministry or you've been in church very long, has definitely seen it, but how many of you know somebody come to the altar or has prayed with you over the phone or has somehow decided to accept repentance in their life or self or accept salvation and you see a difference and they feel a change and, and they've been set free just for in a matter of weeks, months, go right back. To go right back to the thing that held them down. Right back to the thing that, that the bondage and the stronghold. We must build a barrier to protect ourselves from these strongholds that's gonna be coming back after us. We think we begin to think once we fail over and over again, and once we get that freedom, then we go back, we begin to think this God thing doesn't work. But we have to build a barrier. And I'm not gonna read this scripture, but if you go on to Exodus 14 and nine, it says, Pharaoh then changed his mind, right? So after the Passover, he decided to let him free. The children of Israel was set free. They began to leave Egypt and walk to try to find the promised land. And it said that Pharaoh changed his mind. And then the scripture says he went hard after them. It didn't mean he just chased them. He went hard after them. He went full force. He got all of his chariots and all of his soldiers and went after them in a, in a rough fashion. He was coming after them even harder than what he was before. He was angry. Listen to me. Don't ever think that the stronghold that you were set free from is ever going to leave you alone. Don't ever think that, that it's gonna give up on you and, that, and then stop trying to get you back. And once you get rid of it, once it leaves you, once you get set free, it's gonna be angry. That stronghold is gonna be angry and it's gonna come back hard after you. It's gonna come back full force after you. Don't ever think that, the, that when you become free that it's ever gonna leave you alone. We have to realize that strongholds try to come back. When the bitterness tries to come back, when the, you see the signs of, of depression coming back and the, the signs of anxiety coming back and all these things that used to hold you captive, you have to go ahead and say, listen, I know a power higher than this. I know who set me free. I know the freedom that I have in my life. And you gotta build a barrier against those things. Because listen, temptation is gonna be a part of your everyday life. No matter what situation, no matter what background you come from, temptation will be a part of your everyday life. And it's okay to get hit every now and then, but to be taken is a whole different story. We have to realize that they're gonna come back and recognize the enemy's tactics and put up a barrier. 
Now we're going to go to four, or Exodus 14 and 19 and 20. And look what the, the angel of God did here. It says, Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of the clouds, this is when uh, Pharaoh's army had caught up with them. The pillar of the clouds also moved from the front and stood behind them. The clouds settled between the Egyptians and the Israelites' camp. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night long. So the people had caught up, or Pharaoh's army had caught up with the Israelites. And they began, they said the angel of God that was with them, that guided them and led them to that position, began to circle around that camp. And then a cloud filled where they could not see that camp, and then that cloud turned to fire. We must build a firewall, a barrier. This, build a firewall because it will come back after you, as I said. The reality is we say that I can't get ahead. I get one step, we hear this all the time, right? We get one step closer and, or get one, I don't know what it is, one step closer and end up taking two steps back. We find ourselves in that situation all the time because we have to build a barrier. We must build a barrier around our emotions and our relationships. Our emotions and our relationships, and this is why. Because these two areas right here, is where your triggers that makes you want to go back, makes you want to go back to those strongholds. These two things here is what will be attacked to make you want to go back. These are your triggers. The emotions. The children and the individual, every time something went wrong, every time they got sick of eating the same food, every time they got sick of living in the desert, every time something came against them, they was ready to go back but at least we had this when we were slaves. And you know, honestly, being a slave wasn't that bad. I, I read, the, uh, when I read this story, I can't help but think like, man, you better be thankful I'm not God. These people were set free from, we've seen a brutal life, and they could not help but every little time they got a hangnail to want to go back. So every time we, someone makes you mad, Every time someone brings up your past, tells you that you can and hurts your feelings. Every time you fight with your spouse and our emotions, the enemy is going to be right there with that stronghold waiting for you to go back. How many people knows what those, those people that, that's had a drinking problem? And the moment life gets rough, the moment that something happens in their life, you find them drunk. You find them back in that stronghold because they didn't build a barrier and the tactics of the enemy played on that emotion and they was able to go right back to where they was. Our relationships, when we get around certain people, maybe people that we used to do things we shouldn't do, when we get around a group of friends in an atmosphere that we have no business being in, when we're trying to force a relationship with the person God never called you to be with. You find yourself longing and, and trying to find your perfect spouse, to try to find your soulmate, and God has, has told you time after time that this person is not good for you, this person is gonna bring you down. These things are the things that hold you down. These are the things the enemy will use. When, when these things are in jeopardy, 
is when he likes to work. We must build a barrier. And then lastly, we must rely on the Holy Spirit. We must rely on the Holy Spirit because we must realize that no matter how strong you are, you are not strong enough without his help. No matter how strong you think you are, you are not strong enough without his help. We can't be free without him. Too many of ourselves try to rely on ourselves and we might even get those first two steps down. But once we get the first two steps down, we get, we get our salvation after repentance and we think that we got a mental barrier around our mind and we try to do it all on our own. Without the Holy Spirit, we're gonna fail every time. I'm a pretty, uh, those that know me with certain things, I'm, I'm pretty hard-headed. I have, I have uh, willpower for certain things. Not willpower against like Doritos or Krispy Kremes or stuff like that, but I have willpower for other stuff. There's so many times that we find ourselves thinking that we're, we have this willpower, but listen to me, willpower is no match for a stronghold. Because the scripture says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We might be strong-willed or hard-headed, but the truth is, is we might not be strong enough against the stronghold, but the stronghold is no match for the Holy Spirit. We must empower ourselves with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it's not by my might, nor by my power, but by the Spirit of God. You can't in him in you can. These are all the same things, and I know I'm saying them different ways, but I want you to get a hold of that this morning. That we all find ourselves in different stages of trying to be free, but one of the most important ones to realize is that you cannot do it alone. Galatians 5 and 16 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So when the flesh says one thing, the Holy Spirit will, when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, will walk into your life and have you do another. When temptation comes your way and, and things begin to tempt you and, 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 and the strongholds try to come back, the Holy Spirit is what gives you that power not to let it get past that barrier to affect you. We see the work of the Holy Spirit in this story in Exodus. Exodus 14 and 21 says this. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up the path through the water with a strong east wind. Pay attention to that east wind. Then the wind blew all that night turning the seabed into a dry land. The Holy Spirit lots of times 
in the Bible is identified with wind. The Holy Spirit translates to breath of God. When we see this example of the Holy Spirit, we, we can see that it was so strong that it split the sea. See, the children of Israel had done the repentance. The angel of God and them had built the barrier. But then once the barrier was built and they was on the other side, they still was not free. There was a huge body of water in their way. There was something so big that they couldn't even see the end of it. But the Holy Spirit, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, split that obstacle wide open, removed that obstacle out of the situation that was holding them back from their freedom. And not only did it remove that situation, it brought it back or brought through dry land. See, what I think is so cool about the dry land is even when the water was removed, anybody that's ever swam in the, in the ocean or in, in a lake, how that it feels. That's probably the very reason why we don't baptize in the river. One of the very many reasons. But it's so soft that even if you remove that water, that mud and that muck is so thick and so soft that when we begin to walk without the Holy Spirit blowing and drying that up, we begin to get stuck. We begin to get bogged down and we feel like, okay, I see my, the mountains move but I still can't advance my next level. I'm standing, I'm trying to walk towards my freedom, but I find myself continually getting stuck, continually getting bogged down, continually to get stuck right here at the edge. It's so hard that I can't get through. So that's the cool part about the Holy Spirit. Not only did he remove the obstacle, but he dried it up where they could walk on dry land. He removed those obstacles of the, the constant getting stuck. He removed those stains from being able to, to hold them back and allow them to walk forward towards their freedom. Rely on the Spirit will lead you to the other side. It will allow you to cross easily on dry ground. This morning, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, I felt it all this week. I felt it last night. And then when I came into the doors today and the songs that was, was sung and the, and the offering that was taken up and the title of my message and the purpose of my message, I know 100% somebody here today needs freedom in their life. I know that somebody, if not everybody, needs some form of freedom in their lives. I don't care what stage you're on, whether you're here and you don't know who God is, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've not came to that point of repentance, separating yourself from your stronghold and from your sin, or maybe you have done those things and you find yourself with strongholds and baggage and, and you're here today and you need help 
You need prayer to build that barrier around you because the enemy is attacking you. And you find yourself going right back to the same mess that you always go into. You find yourself being sorry, but not necessarily repenting. You want your life to be different. Or maybe today you just need to be able to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to be able to be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow him to empower your life. This morning, I promise you, that can happen. Whatever stage that you're on, whatever phase that you're on, that can happen today. Never head bowed, never eye closed. If you say to me, Pastor, that's me, I need freedom in my life. There's something that I'm, I'm a, you could, maybe I don't know Christ, or maybe there's something, God, that's holding me down that I continue to fall back on that keeps me from that full potential, that, that potential that the enemy sees in me, but I can't see in myself. Did you slip up your hand? I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out. Thank you, thank you. All over the place, thank you. I'm gonna do something just a little bit different this morning. If everybody could look at me for a minute. I tell my students at school, eyeballs on me. This church loves you. I don't care if this is your first time, if this is, you've been here from the beginning. This church loves you. And as, as Pastor J.W. has mentioned, we have a form of staff and ministries in here that God has blessed us with, not just people that are able to preach, but people that love you and care about you, that want to see your lives transformed. That's why we're here. If you look at our back wall, we have love God and we love people. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to have him sing in just a minute. But I want you to know when, when I am down, when I'm feeling defeated, listen, I, I, I deal with my own strongholds. I deal with my own needing to walk in the freedom of God. There was people that I had a call to pray for me. I had to ask the Holy Spirit to empower me today because I had problems being able to even stand up here today to speak to you. There's a group of people here. We have a prayer team that I call on that I text to people that's on this team. Uh, we have a pastoring staff that, that are truly devoted and seeing lives changed. If you come to this altar today, I promise you one thing, you will not come alone. If you come to this altar today to transform your life, there's gonna be somebody here that has been in your shoes or that has a problem the same. You all can join together and pray and God can set you free today. You could walk in under the, under the bondage of the enemy, the strongholds on your life, but you could leave here today set free. So I'm gonna ask everybody to stand. And then I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask Nick to start singing. And then I just want you to take that step 
Remember, the enemy is scared of your potential. The enemy is threatened by the potential that's inside of you. This morning, walk out in that potential. Make that stronghold a little nervous this morning. Make the enemy scared this morning. Be able to step out to change your life. Today can be a life-changing day. It's not something I just, I'm saying it's something that I believe. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for your presence that we feel in this place, God. Where we believe that chains today will be broken. God, that bondage, strongholds have to be removed in the name of Jesus. Or that you set people free right now, God. As they come to this altar, God, Lord, let them know that they're meeting people here that love them, that care about them, God, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of freedom, God. In the name of Jesus, God, set them free in the name of Jesus. Lord, give them the freedom to step out of their seats today, God. Lord, we ask for repentance to be in the house today, God. Salvation be in the house today, God. Lord, build a barrier around their lives, God. Set up mind barrier, God, for every attack and lie of the enemy, God, that tries to penetrate their mind today, God. We call forth the name of Jesus to cast it out every lie of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Lord, have your Holy Spirit empower us today, God. For we believe that we're standing strong on your word today, God. We believe that today is a day of freedom, God.